All right. Well, uh, welcome to BSing with Sean Kay. I'm your host, Sean Neese. Uh, today, my guest is uh, Laura Dalligan. She is uh, an expert on Wicca. She is uh, also a psychic and tarot card reader, and she's also uh, an artist. And she's here today to tell us about uh, herself and the work she does. So thanks for coming on. Hi there. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. And uh, so what can you tell us about yourself and the kind of work you do? Um, well, I am very lucky that I am able to live my spirituality, my creativity and my career all as one. So I'm an artist who paints very spiritual and shamanic images. I paint drums and goddesses and gods and stuff. Um, I tarot read and I work on a as an interactive television program here in in England called Psychic Today and I've had my own YouTube channel for a good few years which got quite a lot of subscribers and I talk about Wicca, paganism, shamanism, all these kind of things and I make little programs and that's just been really, um, I'm really blessed. I live in Glastonbury in the UK which is pretty much a spiritual centre of England and um, yeah that's in a very small nutshell what I do. And uh, how did you get started with all this? Well, I've always like my art, and I've always been, you know, I've always drawn since I was a little kid. And I've, um, I met, I've had an interest in tarot uh, cards from when I was quite little, but it wasn't until I was in London and I had one of those chance meetings with somebody um, that I started learning the tarot. And then this lady threw me in the deep end, uh, got me to do readings in front of thousands of people and put me on the TV show and basically pushed me into doing it. And I felt very much the tarot side of things. It was nothing I'd actually planned to do. I got very much like, you, you're doing this now, okay? And I was like, all right. And, and it's just gone from there. Um, with the paganism and the Wicca, um, living, I've always lived, I had a love for the countryside and the West Country of England and stone circles and forests. So as I, late teens and 20s, got more interested in magic, and paganism and I joined a coven back in London and I've kind of gone my own way a little bit mixing lots of different sorts of spirituality together but again it's something that really when I first discovered Wicca again I first discovered Wicca it did feel like rediscovering something that I'd known a long long time ago it felt very real and like I was remembering it rather than learning it and what can you say like about uh what uh the belief system of uh, Wicca yeah, I mean, it's quite, it's quite, I guess nowadays quite more broad. There's lots of different aspects of Wicca. But in, in a nutshell, um, there's the, the masculine and the feminine divine, the goddess and the god. And I think particularly because Wicca's come about over this past century and past few decades when um, it's more of a patriarchal society, the goddess has taken more of an important role for a long time because to readdress the balance. But really it is about addressing the balance between the divine masculine and the divine feminine. So you've got the goddess who comes in many, many forms. Wicca covers so many different pantheons, Egyptian goddesses and gods, you know, Greek, Celtic, you know, I'm sure South American, all these kind of things. People work with all these different goddesses and gods in Wicca. Um, you know, some have specific gods they work with. Um, and they work with different aspects of that. You know, the maiden, the mother and the crone are three very basic aspects, which is obviously, you know, youth, beauty, life, motherhood, and then death and rebirth. So these are different aspects of the goddess that people work with. We celebrate the eight festivals of the year. So that's based upon old farming festivals, um, different cats of the we have Midsummer at the weekend. That was the last festival we celebrated. 
And also a lot of Wiccans celebrate the full moon and the new moon and the moon cycles as well. And uh, so do you like often reach out to these deities for guidance or? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think so. Yeah, I am a bit more fluid now. I used to be um, in ritual. You do you go into ritual and you call upon these deities and you'd invoke them into your circle. And often we'd see what they had to say to us or we would work with them in some way and, and see what, you know, yeah, as they, they ask them for guidance. Um, and, and now, even though I do do that, I think it's more of a daily, a daily kind of relationship now where I talk to them or I, you know, I connect with them in, in nature or just with simple things in life. So it's a kind of a daily connection where I'm not only asking them for guidance, but, you know, being grateful and acknowledging the divine in everything. And I think that's my favorite thing about Wicca and paganism is the acknowledgement of the divine in all of nature and all of life. And uh, I, I know it, do, it also doesn't exclude uh, the worship of other deities from other religions, right? That's and it, no, exactly. You've got Christian Wiccans. You've got people that are doing lots of different crossovers. I know people work with all these different deities. It's very open. It's kind of Wicca's a structure. I feel that that does work very well. But it's open to connecting with global deities. You've got um, and also you know the, the Horn God and the the Solar God and the the Green Man are really really important parts of of Wicca as well. And um, you know there's there's covens that are you know mainly gay that work with the God and there's uh, covens about with just the female so it all works how to suit people i think people find what's right for them and they connect in a way that feels right for them so like is there other uh like uh deities from like other religions or um or like other religious texts you appreciate like on a level or yeah i mean i i, I genuinely get have feel like i get on best with people that have some kind of spiritual belief so i'm kind of fascinated by all all spiritualities and all religions um the only thing i don't like is when people are being restricted or when people are being you know put down like women or you know you can't be gay you can't be this you can't do that when religion gets like that i don't like it but i'm fascinated by the religious texts and by i think you know i just say i don't think there's one answer it's uh, the Wicca is a system that works, but it's a doorway to exploring many, many different things. And what do you say, like, about how uh, society like perceives Wicca? Do you think it's accurate, or do you? Th- um, sometimes it's really over glamorized. Like, like <laughs> uh, there's a lot of cold nights and going out in forests and being freezing, and you know. <laughs> and I kind of see this like, I'm going to change my hair color, bing, magic spell, like on some TV shows, and you're like, wow, that's it. It's, I think it's either over glamorized that it's just like hot girls doing you know very silly not silly but kind of very superficial things or it can be kind of demonized that it's evil and devil worship and it's neither of those things it, you know it's 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 a spiritual path i mean um i think people get a bit af- afraid when obviously wiccan a lot of wiccans you know do magic do spells but again there's the main thing you're taught when you start in a coven is the Wiccan read, which is do as you will as long as it harms none. So, you know, there's, it's, it's a very simple sentence, but it gives you a lot to think about with all your actions and what you're going to do. And if, if you're going to try and do magic or do a spell that will affect someone else in a way that limits their freedom or is negative towards them, then it's going to hit you back big style. So it's actually a fairly good moral platform i mean you can do what you like but just be aware that it's going to come back at you basically so it's about you're not told you can't do this but you're kind of more it's a kind of more adult way of saying you can do it but there's going to be you know if it's not good then you'll get to know about it and can you describe like how like magic works and what kind of everything 
people I think people do magic every day and they don't realize it magic you know yes you can have um, we often use tools like we'll have maybe you know Wiccans use tools they use wands not in Harry Potter style but you know wands uh, they have a thames which are, which are blades a chalice to represent all the elements really you have fire, water, earth and air so you have a, a tool to represent all the elements and candles you use ribbons and you sometimes tie things to you know to focus your intent or you maybe make a um I'm not sure what you could do. You could make it like a, a spray, a, a aromatherapy spray, which would be focused on your intent. You can do so many different things. It's, but the, the key about magic is it's your focused intent to create a change. And, you know, people do it every day without even realizing when they're saying, oh, gosh, and getting really angry about things or focusing their energy in one direction. Um, it actually is, you know, the basis of, of what magic is. But um, when you kind of raise your energy in a ritual space, working with deity, working with elements, and focus that energy, and maybe working at the right time, like at the full moon or at a festival, or with a group of like-minded people, everyone focusing their energy often does have quite a profound effect. Um, it's not something you're taken lightly or to do silly things with, but, you know, if it's for healing people or if it's for manifesting the right job, if you're feeling, you know, or to move house. These are often the things that, as a coven in the past that I've worked with people to, to achieve. And it only works, like, if if it's someone's wanting to do, um, like, something good with it, like you're saying. That's Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's not, there's, there's not light without dark. People do do rubbish, but that's not a good thing to do, obviously. Like, everyone in life can do nasty things if they choose. But um, it's, uh, you know, that's not the point of Wicca at all, and or the people that I know. It's to create a positive change. It's to help the other people. It's to, you know... To celebrate, to heal, to, to do something positive, to move people forwards. And I think the more, the longer I'm in the sort of in the, this path, the more I kind of see the wider effects of that and, and how you can live your life to create those those changes without having to maybe do a spell all the time. I mean, I haven't actually done anything like a magic spell for a very long time because I think you can live your life in a more magical way that it's not needed. So, uh, so what would so much. <laughs> So, like, uh, what was the reaction from your uh, friends and family when you first started practicing Wicca? It was quite funny because I've always been a bit open and not like a normal, you know, not like a straight-laced kind of person. But I think they were a bit worried. I think they, uh, some of my friends thought, oh, is she going to change now? You know, is, is she going to be different? Is she going to think she's something special or is she joining a cult? Um, I know my mum thought for a while that I was joining a cult or something. And I did some filming for um around the time the da vinci code came out and i did a filming for a bbc channel and it was about um the masculine and the feminine and i was saying mum look i did this filming about it look look it's showing you what it's all about and i remember the presenter of the program said after the break we see witches do having an orgy and i was like no you know they were just t taking the mick but it just felt like you know my mum got really panicky again about that kind of thing they think it's something that you're going to get you know roped into something dodgy so i think at first i spent a lot of time just saying this is what i do you know it's generally not that exciting um it's you know it, it's fun it's beautiful but it's not as dramatic as the you know the media likes to to make it what, what can you say like about the the worship of uh the goddess and spirituality and how it's become more accepted in society over the years yeah, definitely. I mean, that's great. I mean, living in Glastonbury, it's pretty full on. It's the goddess capital. We've got the goddess temple here and um, very um, much associated with the goddess and the god as well. Um, I think it's getting there more and more. I think the new, the, the, the young people, like newer generation, seem to be a lot more au fait with it, a lot more 
accepting that there's a goddess and a god or that kind of thing it feels to be more open now i mean i'm kind of i guess i live in a bit of a bubble but <laughs> i don't meet many people who go to me what you crazy i mean i generally live in a place where people are like okay that that makes sense i think when you explain it to people that it's you know you can't have a mass you know male without female it's it's balance um and people people get it more so i think for, well for my world definitely it's very accepted but i know that i, I very much know that's not the case for everybody and I know people that still get persecuted for their beliefs and you know it can be a case of a lot of with some people that their, their job gets in trouble if they get found out that they're a witch and that's really still quite a scary thing so you think there's like a way for maybe the society could be like more understanding of of uh, the practice of wicca yeah I think so I think so I think what I, I find that like what is done when things are found as threatening in some way to the status quo is they just take the mick out of it and so a lot of witches and pagans are just taking the mick out of it. I was like, it's like when women wanted the vote everyone took the mick about women having a vote who would have that you know it was when something threatens things they make a joke out of it I think that there's a lot of joking taking the mick not taking it seriously about Wicca though I know that Druidry last year became recognised as official religion so that's a big good point and I, I don't know if that's everywhere but I know it's here um, so it's a step forward but Druidry has taken to be an official religion, but Wicca is still on the outskirts. And uh, so uh, the goddess, like, could the goddess, um, like, also be, like, I know, like, a lot of times, like, the goddess could also be, like, like the goddess throughout other religions, too, right? Isn't isn't there kind of, like, a belief that all the goddesses are kind of the same? Like, even in, even in uh, Hinduism, like, there's multiple goddesses, but they're all, mm -hmm. like... Yeah. Uh, forms of the same one in a way. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's people that believe different things, people that believe no, the goddesses and the gods, they're all separate individual personalities and that's how some people believe it. And there's some that believe that they're all aspects, facets of one. And that's definitely it's a personal choice. There's two schools of thought on that and people just believe in one pantheon or people that and it's it is interesting that I think when you connect and you you know, you connect with different goddesses they can be very different and very unique but again it is my belief that they're all very strong energies but they do go back to the, the greater you know one and it's where people um around here around glastonbury and, and pagans do connect with mary madeline who's a you know very christian figure but she's an aspect of the goddess to them as well and uh so do you think like uh because you were talking about like uh how like it's uh it, it wasn't you know how religion wasn't always inclusive of like uh women or homosexuals other groups like that do you think maybe there should be some kind of like maybe reform eventually on spirituality and religion to kind of be more inclusive in a way i guess yeah i think it should just be people should be a little bit more you know it's a bit like duh come on people <laughs> yeah. um why would it be a problem but i know there's lots of you know rules and structures that are being maintained by this by kind of heterosexual men being in charge of the world which is great but you know you've got to accept the other sides of life as well um, I think it's happening I do feel it's happening I think it could be it, it does feel slow but I do feel it is happening that you know more people are being welcomed or you know not not as chastised as they were a long while ago you know not sorry not even a long while ago maybe 5 10 15 years ago so it feels like it's opening up but it does feel a little bit slow <laughs> And uh, what can you say about uh, the meditations you've done in some of your videos and how did you get started with it? 
Yeah. Um, well, I've got. Uh, it's funny with meditation because if you tell me to think about nothing and just to meditate on my breath, I'll probably find that quite hard. But I'm a very visual person. My, my imagine. I'm an artist. My imagination goes off all over the shop. So when I do, I use. I often use drums to still the mind, to change, to shift the pattern of your brain so that you're not in. I can't meditate, I want my dinner, what's happening outside mode, which we often do when we go into meditation. We start thinking about cheese on toast or, I don't know, what's on telly. Um, but I find the drum is a really great and ancient tool in shifting your brain into a different space. And then I'll often lead people in meditation, so I'll, I'll take them to a space because I think people don't often have confidence in their own abilities to meditate or they'll just get distracted. So I'll often take them into spaces using kind of triggers and tools and and their own imagination because it's going to be their own imaginations too um to go to a place to get some guidance and i say imagination because people often say to me after meditation did i just imagine that though that i saw these power animals and colors and i was like well you know if you imagine something it's got to come from somewhere so people kind of write off and oh, i just imagined it but your imagination comes from somewhere so it's okay if you just imagined it it's still coming from somewhere and it was something you needed to see and how, how did uh, the whole, how did the drum like get involved uh, with these meditations and everything? Yeah, um, I, I, after sort of doing Wicca and paganism for a few years, it was about five years ago now, I did a intensive shamanic um, training and um, really got into how the, working with the drum can take you on a completely different space. It can affect how you're seeing things and feeling things. So while you're in that, drum journey it's, it's like if you drum at a certain pace it actually changes the brain patterns so you go into a different space and I was so wild and loved working in that way that I've been and connecting with animals and power animals and guides I found that I found that so very earthy grounded and helpful that I've just started using that and making it my own meditations and using it with, with um, you know with other people so and I find it I just love drumming I really love being in a circle of people and drumming there's something just very primal that's free of all boundaries of religion or spiritual you know you, you are very primal you're sitting around a fire and you're drumming together and you're connecting and that's a very beautiful thing I think and I know that's uh, that's some of the art you do too, right? The the drums uh, with the animal faces. And... Oh, maybe I have some right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one I made earlier. So the the tiger. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, the tiger there. So a lot of people give me their drums and they want something on it, or they want me to connect with the drums to see what I feel to go on it. Um, and then I work with that and and the, with the person who wants the drum and to create something special for them. And uh, what can you say, like, I know you've done uh, some meditations, like, for the dolphins uh, in mm. – where was it, I think? It was uh... – It was um, in, in Taiji in Japan when there's the annual six-month-long dolphin slaughter, yes. So what, what can you say, like, about those, uh, I guess, those animal healing meditations and how they work? I think it was mainly as a friend of mine, Ophelia, who has, um, who does animal communication and she's a very good animal communicator. It's amazing. I've experienced what she does. And it was her idea to start this up to see as an experiment, a total experiment. Can you connect to these creatures and tell them what's going on and change something? Who knows? Who knows if it works? You know, we don't know, but I think, uh, there's a lot of people all over the world, all over the globe connecting and trying to visualize and trying to meditate and trying to and trying to make a difference. don't know if it made any difference, but I think it was the fact that by people doing it, it raised awareness and maybe lifted the vibration. And again, if one dolphin, one dolphin was saved by it, then that's a good 
use of time i think for, for us but we uh, and also i've done it with the badger calls a badger call here in the uk it's just doing things on, on a magical level to try and make a difference and, and that's what i feel passionate about that you know you can practically i do go out there i'll protest i'll go out there and i'll do physical things but i also like to use it on a energetic level as well so like uh what are some of the problems uh facing animals that are unique to uh the united kingdom and uh what, what do you think some of the solutions are well um it's over development that all their land i think it's all over the globe isn't it that most animals are suffering from the fact that we're taking up all of the space and taking up all their land and when and developing using it for farming or building housing estates or just doing whatever um and what happens is obviously when the animals start infringing on our ground that we've taken from them we call them a pest we blame them for spreading diseases and we try and kill them all and i think it's just they get to be the scapegoats i think for a lot of our own bad practices so and also this fracking is a very obviously a huge one no it affects everybody and being such a small island it's very very concerning that they're you know, going to start fracking here um so uh basically it's greed and corruption that is that is um affecting the the native animals of this country and i find that very very upsetting and i know a lot of other people do as well so it, it needs people need to see things differently they can't see that if you know everything's a pest if it's not if it's getting in the way of their businesses and this is not how the world can continue so that's the main issue i think so what would be a good way for animals and humans to live more harmoniously together do you ever <laughs> think we'll reach this state or well it's either going to go we either have to work it out or i think disaster is going to you know, it's one way we work it out. And I'm a very optimistic person and I have a lot of hope, <laughs> stupid amounts of hope sometimes that we can reach a phase, but it's going to have to be us aligning ourselves very much more with nature. Um, and I know it's very hard because we've been living in a certain way, using all the resources and we're very used to our way of living. But I, I think that there's, there's been a very slow rate of people waking up to being more organic, more green, you know, more uh, more working with Mother Earth rather than against it. And it's a very slow wake up because the old machine of the way the world's going is still pounding on. So, you know, I, I, I do have hope for change, but I know that realistically it's not looking that great. And do you think, uh, like, eventually uh, not eating meat would be a part of it or...? Well, I'm vegetarian and borderline vegan, but, you know, as a lot of vegans will say, you know, if you don't eat, you know, don't drink milk or don't eat burgers, then, you know, save the cows. But the thing is, the cows are bred for at a ridiculous rate for, for, for milk and for, you know, and, and kept badly. And it's, I don't think that actually might be the answer, but it's definitely not being so wasteful. You know, if you're going to eat meat, I think everyone that eats meat should know how to kill an animal themselves. And I think everyone that eats meat should be very aware of the physical process of that and respect it because it's all very plastic wrapped and disposable. And I think if people actually were more involved with the process and had more respect for it, it might change a lot of people's attitudes. So I, I don't think you have to be vegetarian or vegan. I think cutting back on junk food and stuff, but um, I do feel being more aware of the cycle and there's so much waste. I know that, you know, animals in slaughterhouses, so many get killed needlessly and it's just, oh, it's just the worst thing. So not being so wasteful, I think, and greedy again <laughs> and having more connection to the process. So I don't not eat meat. I don't think, you know, as a vegetarian for 20 odd years, I, I'm not saying don't eat meat if you want to eat it. But I am saying make sure it's well sourced and maybe connect yourself with the process a little bit more. 
Yeah, because I, I guess it's it's mostly uh, the way it's done now with like the factory farms and everything is what's inhumane. It's not as natural. No, I, mean, I think our very old ancestors had a lot more respect for life and for the taking of life. We have not. We we farm it to kill it, and that's no. It's a quality of life, isn't it, that the animal has? And to be trapped in a cage all its life and killed is, you know, animals for me. And everything has a soul and, and a consciousness and awareness and feels pain. And how can we, I don't think until we've worked that out and that we can see that, can we really evolve properly? Because if we think other beings don't feel pain, don't have souls, then it's a, we're kind of going backwards. I'm sure our old ancestors knew that to be the case. They knew all animals were connected and had souls, but we've lost that somewhere along the way. And it's, it's a bit of a tragedy, really, I think. And I know like a lot of the Native American tribes, when they'd hunt uh, the animal, they had kind of a spiritual connection with the animal they were hunting too so it was yeah, more, yeah exactly yeah i know that's very hard to you know i know that's very hard to kind of there's billions of us <laughs> i know that's very hard to to recreate and also i know people who say oh you know we used to have natural medicine sometimes when i have a headache i really want a paracetamol you know it's natural medicine is great but you know we have some great medicine technology too it's just the balance of natural and chemical needs to be restored i think more and uh, I notice a lot of your paintings are of uh, different kinds of animals. Uh, what can you say about the animals in these paintings, and what is their significance to you? Well, okay, I've got one here. So I'll show you this one, because I think it's um, um, one to talk about. This is a spirit deer. Um, and I feel like the animals, well, how I see it is animals do want to connect with us, or the spirits the animals do want to connect with us. We have a longing to connect with them too. And I feel that as humans who are also animals have just forgotten that um it's that connectedness and that you know animals have an amazing sense and gifts that we don't have like working with power animals you see i don't know maybe the lion would, would be the power of the lion is pride and kind of confidence and the whale would be deep sound and the ocean and the wisdom of the ocean. They all have different energies to bring to us. And if we work with animals and the spirits of animals, we can be really enriched with that. So when I work with animal paintings, I want them, the animals, to give us, to kind of show their gifts and what they can offer us. So with the deer I was showing, I think it was kind of gentleness and a real sense of healing a real sense of healing and people think in this society we have to be kind of strong all the time and pretend we don't care i think deer came in to say you can be vulnerable and it's really strong and you can really open up and it's really strong um so i think they have different messages for people but also it helps people connect with the animals as well i hope so hopefully it's a two-way relationship that when i paint i want that relationship to be really opened up that people can see how you know some, some of the beauty in the animals and then vice versa and how how did uh how did uh how was like the process of doing these paintings? Did you go out like into nature and then paint the animals you saw, or what happened? Hmm. Unfortunately, I didn't see any jaguars or wolves around here. I have, um, but I do I do some of you know some of them I do, and I, and for you know I do have been to wildlife parks and zoos, and I know not everyone likes zoos and stuff, but you know where else am I going to see a snow leopard realistically? It's like so I I have been and I've sketched them and I've spent time watching them and. Because you can, I always think, you know, books are really great, like about animals and animal wisdom. There's some great books out there, but there's nothing better than a, a, a connection you can make with an animal. Um, so I do, and, and I live around here where you see lots of deer, owls, birds of prey, and badgers and foxes. But when it comes to animals like wolves and jaguars and lynxes, I'll probably watch lots of documentaries, meditate, and um, yeah, and, and unfortunately go to zoos because I probably won't see them around Glastonbury. 
And uh, what can you say about the other kinds of paintings you do? I know you've also done some of uh, the Norse gods and goddesses. Yeah, yeah. Another one I've got this too. Good, good painting prepared. So this goddess, it was a, I'm not even sure what pantheon this goddess comes from. I think it was just a mix of different things that came through. So what I often do is, again, through doing shamanic journeying, I will um, connect with different energies, different goddesses, and I often really want to draw them afterwards. And sometimes they really want to be drawn. Um, so I do paint Celtic goddesses, Norse, and um, whatever else comes through. And again, it's like I want to share something with people that I've learned about the goddess, an energy that I feel they represent, so that they can connect with them and work with them as well. Um, so, I, yeah, I really feel drawn, not drawn, no pun intended, but drawn to paint them after I've seen them in a visualization or something. I really want to paint those images. And, uh,. So, so uh, how how did you become like interested in like paganism or like the the, the old Norse religion? I guess. Um, I just think it's. I just feel like um, I don't know how. So I was brought up Christian, and that and that's cool. Um, and I think I just went off as most people do in their teens, just doing your own thing and not really caring about any of that stuff. But, but, um, I think I got drawn back because I just, aside from lots of things I saw, the, you know, maybe lots of bands I was listening to seemed to be into some kind of, and I just, into magic and sort of paganism. And I kind of looked at that and I thought, hmm, hmm. And then I just read Book on Wicca when I was about 15, 16. And it, I knew it wasn't the right time, but it, it kind of spoke to me. I thought, well, this is great because it felt empowering. I think a lot of religions do feel disempowering. I feel you, you don't get the sense of, being on your own path, on your own journey. And I thought the wicker felt very empowering. Um, and I just came back to it later. Just, I think it really spoke to me because I just love being out in nature. I love being out in the wild places. And that's how it really, really spoke to me. And I've always felt that kind of presence in the forest or that there's, uh, you know, I believe in, you know, in, in fairies, not in a cute way. I believe in fairies as in nature spirits and the spirits of the earth and, and, and everything. So I've always had that connection and it just, it's just all made sense in my early 20s to follow that path and uh does spirituality come into play at all when you're working on a painting like is it a spiritual experience? yeah very much so it is a really spiritual experience actually i think it is it's a real connecting on some level to either a goddess a deity which is pretty awesome or to an animal and this energy in the spirit of that animal and it feels very does feel very much a spiritual process and painting the drums is an exceptionally spiritual process because you're painting on someone's spiritual tool so it's a double whammy <laughs> and uh what can you say about the process of working on a painting and how long does it usually take to finish like a piece it does vary it may, some, some of them take months because i'm never happy with them and some of them take a day or two um and it just seems how easy it flows or what i always think um, that everything I paint teaches me something as well. So I kind of go on a bit of a journey myself with it. And it depends if that lesson's easy to learn or not. So it could take months sometimes, or it can be literally a day or two. I get really into things so that when I start painting, I usually just get on with it and, until that process is done. So I'll focus on it for many, many hours until like, it's done. Um, but it can really vary. Uh, what, what, what has it been like uh, promoting yourself as an artist? Like, What was it like when you got started and everything and how it is? Very hard at first. It's been, I mean, I've been in probably, I graduated from art college 2002, I think. And my teachers were like, you'll sell out, Laura. <laughs> You're going to have to to make some money. And I was like, no. 
I will not sell out. No. Um, and I didn't. But that meant I had to scrub a lot of toilets, serve a lot of pints. I did some really rubbish jobs because I just really wanted to, you know, not to, you know, do commercial stuff. Um, so I spent many years just, you know, doing really rubbish jobs. I mean, then I started doing tarot reading and that's really been brilliant. Um, but yeah, and then it's almost like now over the last few years, over the last three or four years, it's really taken off and I really feel really blessed about that and it's really exciting. People come up to me and say, oh, how'd you become an artist then? And it's like, yeah, it's about 10 years of, as after you learn to kind of do your degree course, 10 years for me of just keeping going even when nothing is working out for you just keep going and having a lot of faith that it will do in the, in the long run um so what can you say about your experience with art shows and other things like that yeah it's, it's been good i think again as more i guess as the kind of more spiritual world becomes less hippy dippy and people you know accept it more in the mainstream people accept more alternative spiritual art i think um there's got so many trends in art that very minimalistic kind of i don't know very fashionable fashion oriented art has been very popular so i think there's a bit of soul i've found haven't had as much exposure but i think that's changing because people are seeming to want a little bit more like you know i don't know what it's like with you guys but here like the shamanic style is very fashionable <laughs> so actually being into something a little bit more ooh, look at me with feathers in my hair is quite fashionable therefore people in the mainstream are seeing that more and, and liking that more and maybe some people from people will be more interested and want to learn more but it seems to be more acceptable to sort of have that sort of style and content so is there any ways you feel you could improve as an artist or are there any ways you feel you have improved? Good question. Absolutely. I think you can always improve and I hopefully I always will. And whether that be to push myself more into things I'm not as comfortable in, I think always to expand what you're doing and not just be sticking in one niche. Like I really like painting animals. People like my animal paintings and I could probably do that for the rest of my life. But, you know, it would be more beneficial for me to expand out and push myself into more challenging areas and, yeah. Um, and I think I have improved because I think as you, you know yourself better and better and you're more comfortable with yourself, I, I think your art becomes more true to you as well. I think with my case anyway. Um, my angsty art was all right, don't get me wrong. When my teenage angsty art, that was fine. But I think it's more as I've become on my spiritual path, it's become more true, really. And uh, is there any advice you'd give to like other artists out there? Or? Don't doubt yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Keep going. Keep practicing and do what feels right for you. Don't, you know, you'll, you'll experiment with lots of different things to find what feels right for you. So keep doing that. But, you know, you'll find your voice. And when you do, really just enjoy it and explore it. And, and don't let anyone tell you can't do it or that you have to sell out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what can you say about the work you do as a psychic and what a uh, tarot card reading and how did you get started with that? Yeah, I think as well, like, that evolves too. Um, I think tarot reading was always seen as kind of this end, end of the peer trick where you wear a scarf on your head and tell people they'd meet this tall, dark stranger or win the lottery or something. Um, and it's, for me, it's, again, a lot more soulful. And with my readings, what I want to do is really help people find their own path and and it is, I think it can be quite a healing thing having a reading because it can, you know, somebody else looking at your life who doesn't know you, it can peel away all the layers that we tell ourselves every day and actually get at the heart of what's going on is really beneficial. I don't tell people this will happen and you cannot change it because that's not going to help you and it's not going to help anybody really. And I don't think anything is really, I don't think many things are set in stone. 
and you can affect everything with your actions. So um, people do want you to tell them what to do sometimes, and it's like that would be the easy way out for them, but it's not for my job to tell anyone what to do. It's to kind of give guidance on a situation, to tune in and to empower people that they can, you know, and see where they can go and to make the most of them. Um, so that's how I do my readings. And uh, of course, it is predicting stuff too, and of course, it is describing what's going on around people. But it, for me, more it's kind of a journey to find out who you are and what you're doing and what makes you happy and how to get there. So it's kind of, so you kind of view it as, uh, like the, the ghost of Christmas future. Like the, the there's things yes. that can happen, but yes. they, they don't necessarily have to happen. Like exactly. It's not set exactly. And I think it's a very heavy thing to think like this is going to happen and you know, you can't change that. I think it's, you know, it could be lovely, it could be very reassuring to know that, you didn't have to get out of your living room. You're going to meet the man of your dreams and it will be fine. You know, that's very reassuring, but not very helpful for you evolving or being a decent functioning human being. So it's like, you know, it can be bad as well when you think I'm never going to get out of this situation. So um, some things are pretty full on. You can't escape certain things. But generally speaking, when people come for a reading, it's about navigating what's going on in the best way for them. So uh, would you say like you have psychic abilities or is tarot card reading more something you learned? Uh... I feel everybody does. I think everyone has psychic abilities. Again, I think it's a different degrees. It's like, and also people have, some people don't have very great ones, to be honest, but again, I'm not a great mathematician, so we all have different skills. I think I have pretty good psychic skills, but it doesn't mean that I read people's minds or I'm constantly going, hmm, you're feeling this, but I'm a huge empath. I pick up on people's feelings all the time and... I had to re rein that in a little bit when I worked out what was going on. So I'm very much aware energetically of what's going on around. And when you tune into a reading, you're retuning in. It's, I read the cards, I learnt the cards, but it's not just that. It's using, you're tuning into a situation and using the psychic gift or whatever you want to call it to make the reading. Though I do think everyone has that ability. Um, it's just like whether you, people are interested in like a muscle really working out or not. And when did you first uh, discover, like, that you had this, your own ability? I think, I don't, um, well, I think people often say, people will get, like, signs, like, they have dreams, like, prophetic dreams, things that happen that then come true. I did have a couple of those, not massive global things, pretty small, pretty unimportant, really. But, you know, I had these dreams, and then they happened, and I was like, well, that's strange. Um, and then a few other things as well, and as I said, I've always been very sensitive and aware, and so I'd... I'd I probably just channeled that into a more useful um, way of working. I just had an interest in it, and I didn't think I'd be good at it. I didn't think I'd – I was always at uni, at school, like getting my tarot cards out, predicting stuff, but I didn't know what I was doing then. It was just a game, really. But uh, when I actually started to learn how to channel it and to use it in a good way, I found that I was quite good at it. And Yeah, but it wasn't what I was expecting. So can you predict things uh, like whenever you want to, or is it, is it just kind of happen on its own? Like in certain times. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people can say, can you look at this for me? What do you think will happen? And I'll, sometimes it can be very clear. This looks like it's going to happen, like pretty strongly. And sometimes it's, it can be like, mm, you know, this looks a little bit blocked or this looks like maybe, you know, it, you know, you have to be honest and say, this is looking quite 50 50 at the moment, but you can change the actions to make that happen. So things, some things, I feel like it's like a web. You know, you can feel a very strong and are very likely to happen. And some things not so much. It's like they're not formed yet. So, uh, out of all the different kinds of work you do, what would you say you're the most passionate about and why? Um, 
I think art has always been my big passion, but then I think it all links in. I think that's what I love really is that everything that I do kind of comes back to one big ball of things that I really enjoy. Like my spiritual path is very important to me and my art is a reflection of that. So I think that, you know, I like doing readings too because I really like helping people, but I think, um, you know, it's a big package of all the things that I enjoy, but my art and my spirituality together is pretty much what I love the absolute most. And uh, what do you have planned next for your work? Um, well, I've got loads of drum commissions to do. Um, but then at the same time, I'm taking a retreat of, and working with a friend, uh, Lucy Cavendish, and we're taking um, some tourists down to Cornwall to have a, like a spiritual retreat next weekend. So I really like doing that as well, like going to sacred spaces, sacred places in the land and working in a spiritual way. So, um, yeah, more art, more spiritual art, more retreats and maybe finish the oracle deck that I'm trying to do at the moment at some point as well. <laughs> and uh, do you have a dream of where you'd like to one day be with your work, or are you happy with where you are now? You know what, I'm just a pretty happy bunny. I, I'm very happy where I am now, and I'd like that to continue and grow. So I'm just being very happy in the moment and would be, uh, you know, and would like that to continue and to grow. That would make me happy. And uh, what can you say about some of your other passions and hobbies, and how do they relate to the work you do? Um, I'm a belly dancer. I'm a fire dancer as well. Um, so that, again, I think belly dancing is quite, um, you look at the roots of belly dancing and that links in very much with the goddess, um, worship and it relates very much to divine feminine. So, you know, I think that links in very well. I love fire. That's probably because I'm crazy. Um, so I like working with, 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 with fire. So, um, what else do I like doing? Yeah. And I just, well, I love exploring sacred sites, which also is, hand and hand in hand with what I, what I love doing um quite and yeah I think I, I just feel that everything I do is very much linked in and it's like one big fabric of things that are important to me and how did you get started with uh, the fire dancing and belly dancing was it difficult to learn it first? I was rubbish at it I was really rubbish at it. and that's the thing is I had to keep persisting I was totally rubbish at it when I first started because it didn't feel natural to me at all but I kept at it and kept at it and kept at it and um and then, and it's just really nice because I think it's very accepting of all people. Like I know lots of guys that can belly dance. I know there's women of all shapes and sizes. It's not like you have to be a certain way to do it. It is totally open to all. And I like that. And I did, I started learning how to just, not learning really, it was more just having the confidence to work with fire. And I've combined that. And um, I think that's just very powerful. And so was there like a, a class for it or how did... There know? was in London actually. Yeah, when I was living in London a few years ago. I went to a class to yeah to learn fire dancing and now I do run workshops to teach fire dancing as well and I kind of do a bit of belly dance and and fire teaching as well so I run those but yeah when I was in London a few years ago I went to some classes it was basically to teach you how to be, do it safely really. So what would you say to someone who wants to get started practicing Wicca themselves where should they get started? Um. Well, there's loads of great books out there. There's brilliant amount of literature. But what I would say is don't get bogged down by that and just go out into nature and connect with, 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 with it. I mean, I know that all Wicca is so nature-based. I'm very much a, a nature-based Wiccan. Some people like to have big robes and more ceremony. But I think a good starting point is just to go out into nature and just to we start connecting with the elements. Wicca, the basics of Wicca are very much based on connecting with earth, air, fire, water. And then when, you, when you've really connected with those four elements and the spiritual side 
comes in spirit comes in more so connecting with earth being with the trees and in, in, in the land obviously water being by water air being in nice windy airy places and fire usually with candles and bonfires do a meditation to connect with each of those things I think just kind of get your own grounding knowledge and what you feel is right then maybe either look online for a local um, group or something like that um, or read some books that um, will we'll show you the basics. But I think, as I say, the right, at the right time, the teacher will come to you. So, you know, don't go crazy thinking, I can't find anyone that's going to help me. Again, there's a load of good stuff on YouTube as well. It's my channel. And there's loads of other channels as well that really help with the basics of Wicca. But um, I think if you kind of explore it, you'll find the right group. I, I do feel they'll probably gravitate towards you. And uh, any final thoughts or things you'd like to say? Um, oh... Just, uh, <laughs> I never know. But it's like, um, just before anyone out there who maybe is, uh, you know, judging about wicker and about tarot and that kind of thing, that it's, it is a good thing and it's not, it's like, it's like everything in life. It can be used for good or for bad. And I, everyone that I know that works with these things do it out of love and do it to improve the world in some way. And that's what I believe. And now, I guess, uh, if you want to tell people where they can follow you and find you on social media and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, ooh, yeah, my, um, I've got a couple of websites. I've got lauradalligan-art.com where you can look at my artwork and stuff. I've got lauradalligan.com, which is more my readings. Um, and on those websites, there are links to my YouTube and my Facebook and all that kind of thing. But Laura Dalligan's a pretty one-off name, so if you just put it in, you'll just find me probably. All right. Well, I think that does it for this episode of BSing with Sean Kay. Thank you again, <laughs> Laura, for coming on. That's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. And uh, I should have more episodes coming soon, so uh, stay tuned.